Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Hey everyone, Sasha here, another interview for Sovereign Collective Podcast. And today I'm with Valentina Tereda and she's coming with from, she's coming to us all the way from Dubai. And this is going to be a super interesting interview. I have done an interview before on healthy spaces, but I think this one is going to go a little bit beyond the last interview with Mitch a while back. Valentina considers herself to be an integrative architect and she specializes in building biology and EMS, uh, feng shui, dowsing, and land energy sciences, and she's certified in all of these areas. She is the founder of Energy and Space, which you can look to all her beautiful work at energyandspace.com. And she brings more beauty to this world by building beautiful spaces, beautiful structures, or renovating beautiful structures, even farmland, like all sorts of different spaces that, that Valentina is involved with. And she helps to integrate the space with the surrounding, but also to create a space that 
is the healthiest it can be for its occupants, whether it be flow, energy, all sorts of different things. So super, mm -hmm. super cool. We're going to go into all sorts of areas with integrating architecture with the land. So I think anyways, we'll see where it actually goes, you know, EMF mitigation, but even energy flow, all sorts of different things. So this is going to be really cool because she's not your regular run of the mill architect. And my dad is actually originally an architect, an architect and a builder actually. Um, but I don't think he got into this part of the things. And the more that we live in a world where I think we are bombarded with toxic materials, toxic energy, all this stuff that is really keeping us from our healthy selves. I think this is a really important area. And I hope to one day be able myself to, you know, be able to design a place that is like super healing and just a really just yeah. a solid, a place of, of healing and solace and a place where people can gather in healthy space. So Valentina, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to our chat. Hi, thank you so much. I'm very excited that we finally made it. And uh, yeah, can't wait to start. Let's okay. do it. <laughs> well, let's start. First of all, so you, did you start with architecture? Were you always interested in the other aspects that you go into? How did you get into um, housing and land energy and all that? Yeah, so um, I um, basically, I've been working before I started energy and space um for like companies like architectural firms uh mainly americans actually uh in italy and here in dubai and i've been i was actually very very lucky because i had a very nice role of a design manager in a firm and i was leading projects and designing like um linkedin headquarters facebook uh, high-end villas here in dubai um like on paper, I just had the perfect job of like, you know, when you study architecture and then you graduate and then you want to start work, I really reached where, you know, I think any architect would want to be because the projects were amazing. I had amazing clients. Um, and then what happened uh, after a few years, I, I started just getting some signs, I think, of uh, some things were not as they should be so for example uh when we would uh you know finish this space it's built and it's beautiful and then you open these doors and um your client walks in and they're like wow you know that moment of reveal of the space and the design and everything and then you know i would smell this you know chemicals soup, uh -huh. i call it you know because all the paint the solvents the vocs um this space was just smelling like chemicals and this is one thing that um you know i didn't want to make smelly spaces i always say i want to make spaces that smell good like natural <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know the, <laughs> the smell of the earth the soil the flowers even just you know it's it just it's just natural it just feels right um so that was one thing and then uh i started like thinking okay you know our body is um you know is full of energy organs everything works well together and we live on an earth that works probably in a similar way if you you know think about it in a metaphorical way mm -hmm. and what we're doing now we're simply you know, building these blocks of cement or metal, like on top of the earth, um, just without even thinking about it, like, you know, what's happening to the land. And 
uh, things don't didn't seem really right to me. How can we just decide to build here? And you know, buildings should be an extension of this um, earth energy that we live in. They should just take the energy of the earth and magnify it to make spaces that are even more beautiful. But then all buildings that I would visit, they're just toxic. They're just, you know, you don't feel good in them for many different reasons. Um, and then also I felt, you know, that we shouldn't be working like in, in this type of corporates, I would run so many projects. I would have, you know, work like 24 hours a day, like very late nights, long weekends, always working, working, working. And I felt this is not the right way of, uh, of working, mm. like, you know, draining my energy to give it to projects and which, you know, things are always rushed. Everything is like needs to happen now, now, now. No one thinks about things anymore. It's just do, do, do. And so a mix of things started like, I think, making me realize I need to find another way to do this. And the only way um, I can do it is if I can just leave this uh, company's world for a while and, and try to see what I can do. So that's when I started actually studying uh, classical feng shui to start with uh, while I was still in the company. And that was about a two years process. And then um, I basically set up energy and space. And then I started to kind of build and studying in the US, building biology, electromagnetic fields, and then studying dowsing in UK and Singapore. I started my journey into discovering one thing led to the other one because I started with Feng Shui because I was really interested like how in the ancient times we would look into designing a space, how would it settle, you know? Um, people used to sleep in tents on a land to see how they feel before they actually decide mm -hmm. where to build. And so I was interested in this type of practices to really reconnect to, you know, what is the earth, the energy and the nature. And then I went into the whole path of uh, toxins into the construction materials, interiors, and that led me where I am now. Uh, so it's been five years, I started energy and space and, and now I'm still, of course, learning and I'm still like going to look for more, um, more things as much as I can, but really I'm just on a mission to make spaces that are really healthy and connected to the earth and really work with people that are conscious and they want to build or renovate or just enhance their environment because they really do understand the value of this process and they want to get better and more aligned, more healthy, um, detoxify and all of this. Mm -hmm. So this is in a kind of a summary. <laughs> well, and that's good. Like the last interview that I just put out is all about basics on detoxification. And this is a really big part of it because if you, you we might be doing all these things in our physical world, you know, detoxifying with minerals and foods and greens and enemas and all this stuff but if you're constantly going back into a source of poison then that kind of cancels out everything and then you're wondering well what's going on and you don't even realize it's the space that you're in and you think of all the fire retardants in everything these days and with these toxic bromides that displace iodine and then you're then you have a thyroid problem you have an energy like it's 
So it's really, it's really, I always tell people when they want the one thing that it's a, it's a whole picture project, right? It's not just one thing. It's all of this stuff. And I always say that nutrition is your life. So it's not just what you're eating. It's the news you're consuming. It's the space that you're living in. So I love it because it's, it's holistic architecture. It's holistic building. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And also like, you know, from a reality, I mean, perspective and medical perspective we absorb toxins you know not only through the food but through our skin and what we breathe and of course injection but you know if you remove injection which is a a pretty much voluntarily act of injecting something in your body you know skin absorption and breathing it all comes from the environment indoor environment and outdoor and ingestion is food. So it's only one third of how we actually absorb toxins. So that's why it's really important that the environment is as clean as possible, at least the house you live in, because that's what you really can control. Um, because, you know, outside, depending on where you live, it's polluted. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that's why I always tell my clients and people it, it's important because that's how we absorb toxins. And I actually work with um, some doctors um, that send me their patients because either they don't respond to a treatment or they found some sort of toxins in their blood, which uh, they think they, you know, come from uh, construction materials, mold, uh, things in the house. And they, they tell them before you have your house cleaned up, we cannot start any treatment because then the treatments will not work if you keep being exposed to the toxin. So now finally also like uh, traditional doctors are becoming more aware um, and you know, they, they understand because environmental medicine, it's not something is taught into universities no. for you know, medicine and doctors. So it's, uh, yeah. And that's the thing, how many doctors, like I know here in North America, that's very cool. This is what we need to do. We all need to work together and see the whole picture. Yeah. I don't think many doctors in North America would be consulting the builder or the architect or the designer yeah. around, you know, their clients, yeah. and their patients' health. So, okay. So, so let's get into specifics. So when we're talking about the construction materials, the off gas and the everything, what are the things that you are considering and what are you replacing them with yeah so the there is one important thing to mention that because i live in dubai um there is unfortunately nothing is available locally as a resource Mm. so it means that everything is imported um from abroad any products the ones with chemicals and the natural ones right (laughs) because so far um, there is nothing that is, is really made here. Now there's very few things. Um, so in an ideal world, you want to use the resources that you have there. So for example, if you live in Europe, you want to use um, construction materials that are available there. So whether it's wood, stones, uh, clay, depending on what's there. Now, what I do in Dubai, when I work, uh, let's say, home renovations projects or like new design, new built projects, um, we really pay attention to each product that we use um, in the design. So from the wall paint to the primer that was behind it, 
um, to the type of, uh, of rugs, to the type of, uh, of furnishing, um, uh, kitchen elements, um, the type of AC filtration that we use because in Dubai we have all the AC ducts because it's very hot in summer. Yeah. So we need like a, a good AC system. Um, there is a lot of uh, a lot of aspects when it comes to the the materials. Um, everything that we try to do as much as possible natural because that's when you don't get toxins. Um, and ideally, like definitely avoiding any products that are antimicrobial as well. Uh, because in some of the clinics, unfortunately, uh, they have to use antimicrobial products. Like I have a client, uh, a doctor that we're doing the clinic and they have to use the antimicrobial panels. I'm like, but these, you know, if you're actually going to use a product that kills something like microbes and, you know, that's poisonous, whether you're killing an insect or, you know, it doesn't matter. So then what happens is that these antimicrobial products, they will also kill our bacterias, you know, inside our, our body, our microbiome. So it will just create more um, doors for illnesses to come, you know, because we are depleting our own. So there is a lot of levels of, uh, we look into the electromagnetic fields as well. So Before everything that is- EMS, Can I just ask quickly, sorry to interrupt, but the antimicrobial products, are you referring to things that they're using topically? Or are, you, are you talking things that are embedded into the materials? Yeah, embedded the materials. The fibers, yeah. 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 yeah, right. Yeah. Like as they a thing, them, the antimicrobial yeah. socks and, and yeah. you know, all yeah. these things. Right, so that's the thing. What we don't know is this ongoing, okay, that's just what I wanted to clarify because of course yeah. they're all using the topical things, but everyday exposure, oh, awesome. it or not. Also for the fabrics, like fabrics, some of them come as antimicrobial for like furniture, um, panels, it's, um, it's wow. everywhere. Yeah. Beside wow. the, the standard soap. And see, that's the other important thing that when, when the client is actually willing to invest 25 to 30% extra money for these um, non-toxic products, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately are always more expensive than the ones for the chemicals, okay. also in architecture. Yeah. Uh, then also it's important that we always train them to make sure that then they don't start bringing in, you know, uh, cleaning products that ah. are toxic, soaps right. that are antibacterial. It's like as much as possible, you know, keeping even the, the maintenance of a healthy home. It's very important. It's not only the build and then it's done. And then you bring right. in all the stuff. Um, so it's, it's really a process of, and as you said before, just, you know, it's a holistic approach. It goes with your food, with your clothes, with your, uh, interiors, with the products that you use, and it can be overwhelming for people, but I mean, just take it step by step. You don't have to do everything in one day because there's a lot, unfortunately, um, we, so there are about, I think, 88 or something, 80,000 chemicals that are approved by the uh, Environmental Protection Agency. And from, from what I know and I've studied, um, most of them, they just get an approval when there is a new chemical coming into the market for construction. And 
it gets tested by the EPA for like after seven days, they get an approval. Like, how is it possible that right. it's so fast? It's so these chemicals keep getting approved and approved and they only are questions or removed when there is a problem. So after it has been really proven, after that we've used it for 20, 50 years, whatever, then they go back and check, okay, maybe we have to remove it or maybe we have to reduce the dose and maybe. So that's what like, that's the problem is that people feel safe because they find products on supermarket shelves or on shops and they think, oh, if they're sold to us, it means they're fine. But then there is so much behind it that people don't know that, you know, it's actually not as, as, as it looks, unfortunately. So there is a lot of um, chemicals that are used everywhere, everywhere, uh, because of our lifestyle, of course, this happened throughout the years. Um, so yeah, in a house project, for example, there is really a lot of layers that we, uh, we have to explain and go through and of course, check the budget and, and see what we can do at our best. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, people aren't thinking about these things, right? Even people in the health space are really, you know, people are building new houses. I don't know to what extent they really go to ensure that it is a healthy space. So yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now you're going into the EMS. So sorry, I interrupted, but thanks for that. No, it's, uh, no, no worries. It's, um, but yeah, it's like, if you, if you don't maintain a healthy environment, there's no way you will have a healthy body. That's, you know, the way. And yeah, back to the EMF, um, electromagnetic fields is part of, uh, of course, of a healthy home. And in my perspective, it's about, you know, keeping the levels as low as possible. Because to be at zero nowadays, it's not achievable because of all the technology, the phone towers, the connection that is around us. But as long as we can control what's inside our house, um, it's, you know, it makes a big, big difference because five years ago, we didn't have all these frequencies. These frequencies are, you know, are invisible. We don't smell them. We don't feel them. We don't hear them. We can't touch them. So people don't realize that once they start adding like um, a router Wi-Fi with 5G in the house, I don't know for what, because now 5G, it's not really useful. <laughs> like it doesn't have anything more than a 4G connection. And then they start adding um, air purifiers on Bluetooth. For some reasons, they're all connected to the phone. And then they start adding the cordless phone. And then they start adding that a couple of iPads around the house that are always on Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. All of these and the television and everything, it becomes really, really heavy from a EMF perspective. And people don't realize they're living immersed in very high frequencies. And uh, this contributes as well to cells inflammation. When you have inflammation to your cells, then it can go into different illnesses or just headaches, depending on, you know, again, each person is different. So depending on the medical history, on the environment you grew up with, other toxic load, it's, uh, it can be predicted, the effects. So that's very important um, 
the MF part as well that we uh, we always um, do. We wire everything. We check where, for example, even you shouldn't have wires running behind your bed or under the bed. Here in Dubai, I don't know where you live, but here they tend to run wires randomly on the floor, uh, below oh. the floor. Oh. Yeah, so you'll have electricity running just below beds and randomly around the house. So it's really important to control where they're going to put these wires and which walls and where do they go. Um, so yeah, that's also part of... Um, of what we look at when it comes to a home. Do you look at, do you use plants as part of EMF mitigation at all? That's one thing I didn't mention in the last interview. Like I'm wondering, does plants, are you using that as part of it or no? No. So unfortunately plants do not really um, reduce the EMF levels. Like per se, they don't reduce them. So if you measure with the meters, um, unless, for example, unless you have um, some power transmission lines outside your house and you create in your garden a big barrier with trees that are very, very dense and a lot of leaves, then that would decrease a little bit the electric fields in that case. Um, but inside the house, you won't get any reduction with the EMF meters if you have plants. Actually, um, I've been having a plant next to um, one Wi-Fi router as a test to see what was going to happen to the plant. And well, the plant, it's like a little pine tree. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's supposed to be like an evergreen plant. And next to this router is just becoming brown brown and brown i think it's just dying because it's it's really close it's not yeah. shielding it's just absorbing a right. lot yeah. but still the radiations go through through the plant so that's also i when i try to create awareness i i tell my clients and people like look i mean if a plant is looking like this next to the router <laughs> maybe you don't want to be sleeping with the router into your room right you know it's a uh, and, and people when they see or they hear the meters that's when they get a bit more um aware they start you know okay that doesn't sound good or yeah that doesn't look good <laughs> so they try start understanding right right <laughs> so when you're Looking like how successful are you on abling and, and being able to make this as healthy as possible? Do you do you build with everything completely natural? Like, is that possible? No, no. So in Dubai, it's not possible. For example, the home structure it cannot be built naturally because the municipality code they don't allow it. So in some oh. states, yeah. In some states in US, um, some of actually some of my professors of the Building Biology Institute, they are the ones that went and fought to change the code for architectural building so that now they can build with certain materials, certain construction details, fully natural. But here in Dubai, it's not allowed. So here you can build just with concrete and steel, basically. So the, the actual shell of the architecture, it, there is no way for now to do anything different than this. But what you can do, you can 
control what's inside. So once you have the shell, at least you can use uh, breathable paint, uh, you can use um, healthy products as uh, glues or silicones, adhesives, all of these things that you use to uh, basically attach the floorings to the screed or attach on the walls, whatever you're doing. So there is a lot that you can do to control what's inside, but the architecture can't be, unfortunately. It's, um, it doesn't work here yet, but... But is that um, actually toxic? Like the cement and the metal, is that, is that emitting anything, the cement? So the, so, well, the problem with the cement is actually the, so cement is made of, um, you know, some, uh, what they do, they use uh, fly ashes, which are taken from like residues from other construction sites as well. So a lot of the cement factories, they make their cement by also buying uh, leftovers from other sites and other construction to make it cheaper. Um, so there is a lot of, uh, of um, polluted materials inside the cement. And then they mix it with water, which generally it's not a clean water. You know, it will be just some probably great waters, <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so per se, the cement, it's not like a very healthy material. Um, but when it comes to um, a house and on the interior, it won't have, it won't be like off gassing so much. It's just that, you know, the walls are not breathable. They're not natural. That's the main thing. So um, the climate inside, the acoustics, the, it's not going to be the same as when you have a, a natural built up, which can be done, um, for example, with uh, straw bale construction, adobe, which is all type of soils mixed with mm -hmm. straw. Um, or like wood structures again with uh, know, clay bricks. There's all of these techniques, they exist, they work um, and they're much healthier because they allow the building to breathe with the environment. Um, and of course they don't have any toxins inside, but there's very few countries where they're allowed at the moment. So it's, um, that's the tricky part. What would be your choice for the ideal construction material for the exterior shell? And I would think that would depend on the climate that you're building in as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends on the climate. Like, um, for example, in, in mountains areas, you would use the stone that is available there to build with dry stone technique, which is very old technique, which is really um, good because you build very thick walls and you don't have, you know, uh, you don't even need AC because it stays really cold inside in the summers and it's warm in the winter. Of course, you need some sort of heating because if in the mountains temperatures drop below zero, then you need a bit of heating that is much more efficient from an energy perspective. And then you would use with wood construction. So that's what you would do in an areas in the mountains, like in the Alps in Italy, for example. Um, if you are like in uh, not in there with mountains, um, there are many other construction. Like in Italy, there is a company that does um, construction materials, uh, bricks, and everything from the leftovers of rice fields. 
So there is a, yeah, there is a, um, a lot of rice fields in the north of Italy. And what happens when they collect the rice, 70% of the, of the rice straw gets burnt because they don't know where to put it. So this company collects all of this and they treat the material with the clay, the soil, and they create these bricks, they create oh. insulation materials for buildings, and they're building a lot in Italy and Switzerland, completely natural with their products. They also do paint from this uh, for interior and exterior. So if you, you know, th there is millions of options. Um, if you are in other parts of Europe, you would use, um, I don't know, clay and straw and water. And you make the like formworks, like bricks dry that then become really, really strong and you can build bricks on top of each other. Um, it really depends where, where you are. Right now, what I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and it gets cold. We get, you know, minus 30 something. Yeah. So it yeah. gets super, super cold. So we need to think about that. But what about hemp and hempcrete? Is that something? In yes, this is uh, very much used in Australia because they have a lot of, uh, of hemp there. So that's, it's the same. That's just another type of, um, um, of, um, agricultural uh, waste or right. not really waste. It's more like a agricultural, yeah, it's hemp. So it's the same concept of the straw. It's just, uh, then they mix it with their land and they build as well. And this is like, it's, it's all possible, but these techniques take someone to actually learn how to build like this right. because contractors will not be able to, to do it. Uh, and then you need some specialists and you need people that are willing to invest the time and, you know, to, to have such a house. So it's, but right. it, it's all yeah. possible. Right. Yeah. So what are other factors other than materials and EMFs that you are considering when you're designing a space? So, um, well, if it's a, a new or an existing house, anyway, for any type of projects, um, even if it's an apartment in a building, the first thing I would check is the, basically the land on which the building will be located or is located. Um, this is uh, more in relation to uh, what I call land energy sciences. But again, there is not like a specific terminology for this, but this comes to the technique of dowsing which is um, one of these ancient techniques where basically what you do, you either use a pendulum or like rods, copper rods. Mm -hmm. And um, basically these are used as an extension of the energy of our body. And we enter into resonance with the energy of, of the land that you are on. And you can detect if there are any geopathic stress areas are called. So these are areas where the land and the earth is, uh, is being stressed by, I don't know, man-made pipes under the ground, or maybe there is some underground water that is intersecting with some minerals. And what happens, these stress points, they emit very strong energy that is, is not considered very um, healthy for us. 
Like for example, for some people, um, it wouldn't make them sleep. So you can't sleep in rooms if you are on top of these hepatic cyst points. They've been associated with some um, cancers or illnesses as well. If you sleep right on top of it, of course. Um, and so the first important thing is to connect with the land and then resonate with it and understand if there is anything. This is pretty much, um, it's a type of work that is really more um, intuitive. There is not like a, uh, like a specific process that I go through. And this really helps to listen and understand what type of energies are in, the, in that piece of earth and what is the best approach for the house, the design, the shape, the location. If it's a big land, we would find you know, the best location for the house and areas to avoid. Um, and this is really, I mean, I think it's just an act of also respect when you build something mm. or you renovate something just to you know stop and look at the land i mean ideally like you should really as an as art i think all architects we should all spend at least a couple of nights on a land if we're gonna build a house just to camp there and observe spend the day there see what happens and sleep on it and if you didn't sleep well in one area maybe okay maybe it feels better if we you know sleep somewhere else also this type of i mean approach it's um it's very intuitive but in reality we're all built to resonate with nature but we just need to stop and do it you know take the time not just keep running around um, so that would be, I mean, ideal to, um, to do as a, as a first. I spent a lot of time, I didn't sleep on these lands because unfortunately in um, Dubai, it's not very, uh, they will, police will come and they will kick me away, uh, basically, because yeah, it's very difficult, um, you, you know, they, they will not just, it, I don't know how it is in Canada, but maybe in Canada there are more areas, more lands that are not as controlled, but here everything is quite controlled. Mm. <laughs> you just cannot go and do something like this. But anyway, um, so that would be, it, it's for me, it's, it's a really important step. And then um, after getting to know the land um, and the environment around it, uh, what I consider is basically um, I use classical feng shui as a tool to also understand how to best align the house, the renovation works or whatever we are doing with what it's called in feng shui, the uh, environmental energy, the tea, the, uh, I don't know, maybe prana in uh, Indian culture, they call it like the life force. Mm -hmm. um, feng shui is a... Um, it's, a, it's known to be in Asia, a Chinese metaphysical science. So a lot of, most of the projects that happen in China or Asia, they have uh, architects, engineers, structural, mechanical, electrical, and the Feng Shui consultant. Um, it's very, very uh, normal in that part of the world. It's not in the Western side. It's, um, and actually nowadays, because there is a lot of, 
new age stuff. Um, also, feng shui has become a bit more like, um, uh, how do you say in English, like washy washy? No, not washy washy. <laughs> well, it's more maybe, um, I probably, it's probably not viewed more as a science that it really is, right? It's more like airy fairy kind of. Like an airy fairy, yeah, not washy washy. I want to say airy fairy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I meant airy fair exactly because what what happened is that people to make it more digestible for us as Western, they started making okay, this is your chart. So this south, I'm just saying it's purple. So you have to put purple stuff in that area. It's become that you know simple, right. which is not at all. It has nothing to do with colors. Um, the, the traditional Chinese feng shui. I started with a feng shui master uh, from Hong Kong and um, she used to hate all of these new feng shui trends, new age stuff, oh. because they, they were destroying the essence of this science. And, um, and actually the first uh, aspect of a feng shui assessment, it's actually to um, you know, sleep on the land as well. It's, it's part of, you know, that's part also of the Feng Shui practice. Um, so, yeah, basically, it's quite complex to explain how Feng Shui works. But in a nutshell, there is a compass. And with that compass, uh, you check exactly degrees. So when you look at north, north in reality, it's not a point. It's, you know, it's uh, in between certain degrees. So you need to check exactly what degree uh, where to orient the house, um, where to put the, you know, the bedrooms, the kitchen, and that can be aligned to the future residence if it's a house for a family, for example. Um, and that basically, simply again, it's a, just an act of, of respect and alignment with your external environment so that you build something that really is just harmonized with where you are. And, and this is the, what I use. I use Feng Shui because as an architect, I find it very logical somehow <laughs> um, when it comes to learning and applying the formulas. Because I also did explore to study Vastu, which is the Indian, um, basically, Feng Shui. But, What's it called uh, again? Can you say that Vastu. again? Vastu. Vastu, yeah. Okay. yeah. Vastu is... Um, basically um, the Indian correspondence of Feng Shui, but it's completely different. Oh. Um, so when I had to choose, you know, what to specialize in, I chose Feng Shui because I found it really, it really makes sense as an architect. To me, a lot of things made sense. Like for example, in Feng Shui, there are certain shape and forms that are principle that um, will give you a certain effect. For example, when you are in, a, if you're designing a bedroom, you shouldn't have a bedroom with like a ceiling like this and, you know, like a triangular shape and your bed is under that shape um, because that kind of directs negative energy because that type of shape takes the environmental energy and throw it on us. And it, it feels really true because when you sleep in this, you know, tight spaces, maybe in the mountains, there are cottages that, you know, because of space, they have these holiday homes, which is 
if it's for holidays, fine, but it shouldn't be your, your permanent home. It feels uncomfortable, like for me to kind of sneak into the bag and then wake up and there is this, you know, roof, like, you know, short and very edgy. And there's a lot of other things like that. So it's quite intuitive when it comes to that aspect um, as an architect, but then there is also formulas that you have to apply to, to read the, uh, the energy of the, of the land and then how to position everything um, in alignment. And then of course you use the five elements as well to, um, to basically harmonize everything. But the five elements are actually natural Again, which is what I love about Feng Shui, it's not about, you know, using the wood element and you place a wooden table. No, because the wooden table is made of dead wood. It's not alive. So wow. you have to use like a, a growing wood, like a plant, like a big something that grows, something that is alive. When you use water, it's the same. It's actual water. It's not a picture frame of the sea. Unfortunately, you see a lot of that, or just put a photo of the sea. It's, no, it's not the same. It needs to be real water. Or um, when you use the earth element, you need to use natural stones or actual soil, not just a beige paint on the wall. That doesn't mean it's earth. So there's a lot of interesting aspects that I found um, that really make much sense. And when I started then studying Feng Shui and land energy, building biology even so many things come together like for example in feng shui the metal element um you know they tell you oh, the house shouldn't be built of metal even though it's one of the no, should not of, be okay. yeah not with metal like steel okay. ideally mm -hmm. because uh, well in feng shui they say that but they don't really tell you the reason they say the metal element should not be used in the bedrooms even though it's one of the five elements that we should use to harmonize mm -hmm. and then when I studied building biology I learned that also they tell you don't use metal in in your house if you build a new house don't do it in steel don't put steel in your bedroom and that's because metal conducts electricity so if there is any uh, electric field in your air because of appliances and stuff, the metal will just attract it and run it and it will create static electricity, which is not really good to have. So this is just one of the things that, you know, how everything comes together from ancient wisdom, let's say, I can right. say, or ancient knowledge um, that is not really explained to us because I think it was created many, many years ago, centuries ago. So they didn't have the same words and the same materials to build houses they just had in nature. Right. But then with building biology, which is a contemporary science, um, it's just everything makes sense. Um, so that's why I like to integrate different things because it, everything comes together beautifully mm -hmm. at the end. And it, it just makes sense to me. Like, of course you're going to consider all of these elements they all make sense and you're working with it's interesting because you're working with i was looking on your your project page you've got commercial areas residential areas like even farmland so yeah, yeah. How, I, how 
how can you, how do you, how much can you actually impact a space that already exists if you're not actually doing a full reno, if you're not building from new? Are there, are there things that you can do to really harmonize that space for people or the animals, or the occupants within? Yeah, so for existing, like what I do um, a lot as well are um, assessments of existing spaces. And this I do when basically, the thing is that I always say we need to have something that we want to solve in order to, you know, to know what we need to improve in the house. So when someone calls me and they're like, for example, we just moved into this house one year ago. And since then we've been having a lot of, I don't know, allergies or we don't sleep well. Um, there is a lot of things that are just don't feel right. And we didn't change our lifestyle. We didn't change our food. You know, there is not a major stress in our life the only change is actually the house. So this is when, you know, usually that's what happens. So basically I go there and I start checking different things. So what needs to be improved? Sometimes are the electromagnetic fields level. Sometimes I find mold and moisture inside the walls because people don't know, they don't see, you know, sometimes they have a lot of rugs everywhere, which is terrible like to use rugs or wall-to-wall carpets especially here in Dubai because it's full of dust mm -hmm. full of dust and the, the rug is just not possible that like you cannot have it here you have to clean it every day um, and uh, sometimes um, you know I smell something in the house and it's like maybe paint or did you just paint did you just do some works or you know what cleaning products are you using did you change so there's a lot of things and I check the bed, what type of, you know, mattress, what type. So also what's important to know is what are the exact symptoms of the, of the, you know, what is the issue? Like, do they, they don't sleep or they're getting allergies? And based on that, basically, I will give them a plan of what I recommend they change and improve. And um, that is from a health perspective. Also, I do check uh, the land energy, of course. So I would check if there is any geopathic stress areas. I would check also the feng shui alignment um, on a high level. It's not a full feng shui audit because that is it, just when I don't know what's the problem, I just look into all the, the details and maybe rearranging the bed, changing certain things of furniture arrangement or swapping rooms between brother, sister, parents, whatever lives there. There's a huge amount of things that can be done, but what's important is that I understand what is, their, what is it that they want to improve or, or fix, and then we do it. And it's, um, it's the good thing, what I like to do is that I, if I find that there is a certain amount of toxins in the house, whether it is environmental, energetics, anything like that, and um, I think that that is the problem. That is the trigger to their symptoms until like, if they do what I tell them to do until they feel better and things get better, I, I keep make, I go in there and check because I want to make sure that the work is actually done and it's effective and it's very important. Um, and I'm happy to say that it's, there is always a massive improvement 
when people right. implement. And sometimes, sometimes it's the small things because sometimes people are not aware about certain environmental toxins because no one talks about it. So sometimes it's really small improvement. Sometimes they need to do a bit more and it takes longer. Um, but for example, one of the very um, successful stories that because you know when it comes to sleep, that's the hardest thing because the sleep quality can be affected by so many things, so many. So when they call me because I have a sleep problem, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard <laughs> because it's really... But this one of my clients, um, she moved into the new house. After six months, she wasn't able to sleep. She is actually um, a health practitioner like she's um, so she did a lot of like changes in her diet she checked her hormones with tests she checked for a million things she slept in her kids rooms to see okay is it me or is it the room after all these checkups she found out that it's actually the room because she yeah. could sleep in any other space in the house but not in her bedroom and the husband had the same problem but for her it was more so when i went there I checked everything. I found only two issues and one was a major, one was geopathic stress. There was a, a very strong energy in one area of the room coming from the earth, not the house itself, just below the house was very strong. I could feel it. I mean, I was like, of course you cannot sleep here. And then she had also electromagnetic fields from a phone tower that she couldn't see because again, Sometimes people don't know how they look like. And so she thought, oh, I picked a house without any phone towers nearby. And I'm like, my meter says otherwise. There is a phone tower that is actually coming to your room, not majorly high. I don't think that was the main problem, but high enough. Um, and then we saw it in front. But anyway, so um, she did shield um, the windows with EMF shielding product to reduce the phone tower. And then I did some remedies for the geopathic stress, which usually I use um, copper um, wire in a circle. And um, that really helps to absorb this energy. And I moved her bed, of course, from that point. So we rearranged the room. Um, and then after, yeah, after a couple of months, she was, uh, she was able to sleep after everything was implemented. Oh. Um, and this was like, you know, it, it was a combination of two things, in my opinion, the geopathic stress and the, uh, phone tower radiation. Um, so you never know, like, you know, when you go into space, what's, uh, <laughs> what it can be. Um, mm. but yeah, so it's, uh there are things you can do to improve. And then of course, if someone is doing home renovation, so they want to improve the look, the aesthetic only, so they don't have an issue. They just want to, okay, this is our house now, but I want to improve this room and this room. Then of course, there's plenty of opportunities to make it really healthy with all the natural products. That's that's actually the easiest thing. <laughs> to do. Right, right. Because that's what I'm wondering. When you've got the layout already, you've got the function yeah. way, you've got the rooms in a certain place, You've got the geopathic stress like you must be fairly limited in what what you can do like are there some like how many tools do you have for geopathic stress the copper is that basically what you do or is there anything else that you can do in that case well generally i find that the copper works best 
to solve the issue, but generally no one should sleep in a room with that geopathic stress point, for example, but my client didn't have another option. So we moved the bed. So moving the bed is, I mean, moving room is number one, moving bed is number two. I mean, in the same space. And then you do this, these remedies um, which work, but there, there is always a solution always, as long as, you know, and there's always a way to solve things as long as people are willing to, to find, to, to do it. There is always a solution in an existing space. I mean, unless you live, I mean, I always tell like my clients when they want to buy a land, like location is key. Like you have to get a land in the right location because if you get a land nearby um, transmission lines or like, next to like a lot of like phone towers that is polluted in the way then you start already in a difficult position because then you'll have to do a lot in the house to shield and to you know to protect it from this so the location makes of course a big difference right and what about like shape so i'm interested in how you integrate the shape of a building with the existing land how, what yeah. are the considerations there? Like, uh, go into that. Yeah, so that, um, that is also very interesting because there is, um, so um, for me as an architect, um, the shape of the building should always harmonize with the context of, you know, the other houses, the trees, whatever is around there. Generally, if you are building a home, you want to use the earth um, energy, which is a very like, you know, solid shape, like a rectangular square, something that looks stable and grounded, like heavy. So not a glass house, for example. Mm. Nowadays with all these contemporary homes, it's all glass. And then, mm. you know, that this feels really unsettling, very uh, unstable for, for being a home. Um, but for example, when it comes to Feng Shui, the shape of the building is very powerful because when, um, say that you work with banks, if you're designing a bank or a hospital, you would then use different shapes because for banks, it's very important to use the fire energy because fire energy, it means a building that somehow has a triangular shape or a pointy shape because that fire energy as a shape attracts all the energy and the power. So for a client that has a bank, for example, you want to use that because that will attract money for them and power with that fire energy. And if you think about it, I mean, Switzerland is the country of the banks. I'm not sure if you know about you yeah. know, the Swiss bank. Yeah. And, and Switzerland is a country that is basically made of mountains. And the mountains in Switzerland are fire mountains. So they're all like, you know, very high, very triangular, very rocky at the top. They're, it's a fire energy. Um, and, um, and of course, these shapes come from, the, from nature, from, you know, the fire is associated with the pointy mountains that translates into a pointy building when we, you know, created. Right. Um, so that when it comes to the shape and form, there is a lot to consider because if it's a house, it's straightforward. You want something earth solid. 
but depending on the activity, then you would use a shape that it kind of um, creates that energy flow that the client wants, basically. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay. but yeah, the, the shape of a building is the most important thing more than anything else, really. If you design from scratch, or if you have to choose like an office space for any type of business, this, even if you have a small space into a building with other offices, it's very important the actual building. How is it? Where is it located? What type of shape? What does it attract? Uh, so when I work for corporates, we always look at this when they're looking for a new office, for example, we always evaluate, you know, okay, okay, don't go to this area. Okay, we have to choose this, this of that area because of your business type. And then we need to look into this type of building. So it becomes a long process, but it's a, it does actually really work. It's, um, yeah. So interesting. So interesting. So are there any basic tips, like say with people with limited resources, people that are in their homes? Like, because the thing is, I'm living in a city that is expanding crazily they're just building 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 and then you gotta know they're not thinking about anything they're not thinking about the health of the materials they're not thinking about the yeah. health of the space they're just these little boxes going up i'm living in an older part of the city but like what can you do are there any basic tips that can be like that can support most people in their spaces just to improve other than obviously the obvious like no toxic products don't plug in air fresheners you know things like that what what else could they do to improve the health of their space? Mm. Well, again, that all depends on, um, on location. So I'm not familiar with construction practices or how things are exactly in Canada. Um, but for example, when it comes to um, um, houses in Dubai or in this region, Maybe some things can be applied as well in Canada. The first thing um, I always tell everyone is to really get an air purifier um, because you know all 50% of the pollution outside comes inside your house. So if you live in a suburban area in nature, outside the city, maybe you don't need that you know, if, you, if there is not much pollution there. But if you live in a city, um, it's really important because when you open the windows to air the house, which is absolutely key to do, so it's a must, uh, but then you bring in as well the pollution. Yeah. So with a good air purifier, um, you know, it needs to have um, definitely a HEPA filtration system that filters up to 0.03 microns Otherwise, you're not filtering anything because all the particles, the dust particles and the pollution, the size is 0 0.03, 0 0.1 microns. And this, so it needs to be a good air purifier, um, not just when you buy in the supermarket for $100. That won't do anything, unfortunately. But in Dubai, it's something that we need, for example, because of the pollution here. So that's... The indoor air quality is key. Another very important thing that I always tell, just limit the amount of rugs and curtains. Um, this is because they really trap a lot of dust, more than you can imagine. And 
they need continuous cleaning and they also create static electricity if they are synthetic. So um, it's very difficult and expensive to buy natural rugs, you know, organic cotton rugs or uh, organic wool, very hard to find. Like, it's an investment. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, but unfortunately, because of the way we build, because our houses are made of concrete and steel, inside there is such an echo because all the surfaces are right. so hard, then then you need to put couches, rugs, curtains to make it softer. And that's that's the problem. We shouldn't be needing rugs. I mean, it's fine if it's a natural rug that you have in your bedroom or but in Dubai, people put a lot of rugs because of this problem. It's all hard surfaces because mm -hmm. the materials don't breathe. Mm -hmm. So it, the acoustics are horrible. So just avoid this type of, you know, you can have a rug or two, but not too many. Um, and also this is very difficult, but yeah, um, to look into the fire retardants, it's really, it's also yeah. a challenge. Um, to, you know, when you buy something like a couch, um, you know, just try to avoid materials that have fire retardants. Actually, I have a note here. Let me see, because I don't want to um, give the wrong information. No, it's okay. Yeah, it would take too much time to find it, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, fire retardants are actually not very useful because they've proven that, you know, when there is a fire and the fire goes on the materials that are fire retardants, the amount of toxins that come out of that, it's very, very bad for the people yeah. that are trying to escape. And they will only delay a fire, like a fire by a few seconds. It's not like, oh, this, you know, will not pick up fire for five minutes. So then five minutes, it's a good time to run away. But few seconds, what's the difference? So but that's it's something that you'll need to uh, in us and probably also canada it's definitely easier to look for these because um over there you're much more advanced when it comes to this type of stuff uh rather than here but here it's it's really a struggle too because also there is an issue that um there are certain um ingredients that companies don't have to declare so when it comes to the manufacturing of a furniture or fabric, um, it's called like the secret trade act, something like that. So that if, there, if this product is in a lower certain percentage, they don't have to declare it. Um, so it's really hard to find all of these details. Even for me, that it's, it's my job, it's a struggle. Um, but if you, because US and Canada are much more advanced, there is a lot more awareness about fire retardants. And if you find a good brand that, you know, has that as a as something, definitely go for it. And then in existing homes, so we talked about yeah, the air quality with the filtration, the rugs. Um, if you are doing renovation works, for example, or, you know, every few years, the house walls needs to be repainted because that's just how it is if you move things or you know the paint maybe gets dirty when you repaint just use natural paints because that is a massive 
surface of your houses between the ceilings yeah. and the walls. And um, in US, there is a lot of these products available and Canada as well. Um, in Dubai, I import them from Germany and UK, unfortunately, because we cannot do them here wow. yet. Yeah, but it's not very sustainable, but um, I'm trying now to work on finding a way to make um, sand uh, as a construction material. Um, because here we have a lot of sand. It's yeah. a desert. <laughs> so, um, there is um, the a friend of my husband, which apparently found a sort of technology. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, but that would be a dream. I'm sure there are ways to do it. It's just, you know, someone has to think about it. Right, right. Yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah, so the paint is really important. If you have a C, um, if you have full ceilings, if you live, well, in Canada, for sure not. <laughs> but in US, some states are very hot. So you need a C and you create these full ceilings where the ducts run inside. Um, make sure that you keep cleaning them, that there is no dust there, because as soon as you have dust inside the ducts or in the false ceilings, you get um, humidity, you create mold. And this is what right. you breathe inside your house. So yeah. again, depending on the climate or where you are, um, it's, it's really, really important. And if you are in an old house, in Europe happens a lot, and also in US and Canada, because there are older houses, the electrical systems are really outdated. So it's important, I would just say, if you're in an old house, just get yourself a tri-field meter, which is a very cost-effective um, EMF meters for electric and magnetic fields. Tri-field, did you say? Yeah, tri-field tri is a T-R-I field, F-I-E-L-D. Um, this is just, it's not a professional EMF meter, but if someone lives in an older house, I recommend just as a little investment, I think it's at $50-$100. Um, this will give you an idea when you put it on electric fields or magnetic fields, if you have a higher levels than what you should have. It's not as, it just as a homeowner, I think everyone should have it. Um, just to, to check. Um, don't use it for radio frequencies, which is for the phone towers radiations, because it's absolutely not accurate. Okay. <laughs> it will just scare you. Just if it's for electric and magnetic fields, it's good enough to give you an idea. And if you see that the levels are high, then you just have to call an electrician and just have all the wires check because in old houses, that's what happens. Like um, many times when I travel to Europe and I go on holiday, I cannot sleep in certain areas and I know they have high magnetic fields because of wiring errors and old wiring. Mm. And I take my meter after two nights, I don't sleep and I find the magnetic fields. So it's, um, it's, it's common in old buildings. So this is one other thing. Um, and then when it comes to home, I think these are like, it's already quite a lot of things to do. And I mean, definitely, you know, no appliances in the bedroom, no TVs, no screens. That's, yes. I think everyone should know that. Basically, but they that. don't, they don't. They should know it or, or they might know it, but they don't follow it. Like that's what I say, your bedroom is not a place for any of that stuff ever. Oh, but I use my phone as an alarm. Well, 
get a different alarm, stick your phone somewhere else and put it loud outside your room. Like you don't need to have it in your room. It's that's such a weak excuse in my opinion, right? There's, there's other alternatives. No, absolutely. And if people are really, really keen to have the phone next to their bed, uh, the only way to do it is to put it on airplane mode. Mm -hmm. But you have to make sure that Bluetooth is off because in the new phones, you have to go in <coughs> inside the Bluetooth to make sure it's off. Right. Um, and then you don't charge it. So if you keep the phone as just like a, a device, airplane mode fully off and not charging, then it's okay because it actually doesn't emit anything. I've tested. Um, okay. But unfortunately, it's hard for people to know how to put it on airplane mode because they think, oh, it's on airplane mode. No, then you have to look and make sure that everything is off. <laughs> right. Uh, and if people don't, also they don't know that if you charge the phone, it emits a very high electric fields. Interesting. Because of the charger. So yeah. definitely, you know, don't charge it next to your bed. Just charge it outside or charge it during the day. Um, because the charger, like the phone per se, emits radio frequencies, which are the microwaves radiations, because it keeps connecting to the phone towers, to our whatever, if people have Wi-Fi and so on. But then with the charger, you introduce electric fields as well. And you, you actually get levels up to 20 to 30 volts per meter when we normally should have 0 0.1 volts per meter. Wow. So it's a massive yeah. field. Um, with the chargers um, so so yeah I think that is I mean basically yeah yeah no that's great I would also add turn your router off at night turn your wi-fi off at night when people are sleeping yeah I mean yeah I mean that is if, they, if there is a wi-fi router yeah it's ideal um, I mean that would be ideal or the, the problem with these routers is that uh, they're not meant to be switched on and off often. So then they connect, they start like kind of breaking down. Um, so what I recommend also is to get the Faraday cage, which is yeah. very easy to, to buy anywhere. Yeah. And before sleeping, instead of turning off, you just put the router inside the cage so that you keep the device healthy like it, because if you keep turning on and off at some point it will just start yeah you know, it change. Connecting. yeah yeah i turn mine off every night because i just have to i haven't gotten a faraday cage for it but i don't care i'll get a new router then <laughs> but yeah because yeah, exactly. you're right they're not meant to be turned on and off like that and yeah yeah. It's not a big deal, but a lot of my clients, they have, you know, the husband or the brother, some like one of the men of the house that then when we wake up in the morning, they want to connect, the Wi-Fi is off, they have to turn it on, wait, yeah. and then they have to reboot it. Yeah. And it creates really a lot of fights yeah. from the morning in the family, which is not <laughs> for some people. Yeah, like it's, it's like that. So I tell them just get a Friday cage. So whoever gets up, just opens it. And that's it. You don't have, it's ready, you know, you, you right. have your connection. Yeah. And they're very effective because they're far like cages. So there is no, right. nothing that comes out of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't know. Did we cover, and is there anything else that you haven't touched on that you think people need to know 
about your work. And then of course we'll talk about your work and where to find you, but any other, like that, that's a lot, that's a lot to consider. I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, probably a little bit too much, but. Yeah, I, I'm afraid it can be overwhelming. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been years of, of studying and, and traveling and there's really so much to, to share. Um, and I think, I think we've covered enough, I don't know. We this is really a lot, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's just really all about going back to really nature and these frequencies that make us feel good, right? You know, and that's all that is about. And I think it's. I just wish all architects would start, you know, looking into this because the more architects, you know, look into these materials, the more manufacturer will adapt and will be more creative yeah. with products that are natural if there is no demand then no one will make an effort <laughs> that's reality exactly. and um and also i started also teaching at university which is um also something that makes me very happy because i think it needs to start with education with students at university that are studying architecture interior design and um, I'm very happy about that because, you know, that's when really you can shape and help students understand things in a different way. Um, and also needs to, yeah. So I also wish that more universities, they uh, adopt this approach and they have courses that can actually give awareness uh, for people and future architects. I mean, so, yeah. Well, you are doing your part to create those future architects. So that's awesome. And is it, do you find, is it growing? Is it being more, yeah. is offered more it is, widely? It is, it is uh, growing. Like since I started, I mean, when I started five years ago, people were like, what, what are you doing? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, but now five years later, I can tell there is, um, there is, so many more architects that I see that, you know, maybe they don't do everything. Maybe they're architects and building biologists. Maybe they're architects and uh, electromagnetic field specialists or architects and feng shui. Um, and so, yeah, there is that. Um, I, I see it more and more now. So nice. more awareness is, is coming, yeah. Well, for the full picture project, people, then check out Valentina's work because she's got it all covered. And so they can find you at energyandspace.com? Uh, it's a dot .org. Oh, dot .org. Uh, okay, yeah. energyandspace.org. And yeah. your Instagram, you're on Instagram? Yeah, it's um, Instagram is uh, energy.and.space. So energy space with two dots in between the words. Okay, okay. And is there um, any other ways that people can learn more about you? No, I think just the website and uh, Instagram, they're the main sources. There are some articles on the website. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And it looks like you're working with some high, pretty high profile projects, but do you work with projects of, of all different levels? And yes. yeah. yeah, I do everything like, cause I really like to, um, um, to do work that is meaningful and really help people. Uh, so even if it's a, a, like a room 
design, you know, I would do that. If I work with a corporate, I would do that as long as it's they're really keen to do something, not just for the trends. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I work um, yeah, with everyone and everything because I really love to to work on a bigger scale, the smaller scale, to help people improve their sleep, simple as that, or to build like a mansion. <laughs> you know, of a healthy home, anything. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, folks. So look to see how you can make your space a little healthier, a little bit more conducive to being that sacred space. I mean, considering the t- amount of times that we spend indoor, especially in parts of the world where it gets really cold, we spend a lot of time inside and how healthy is that environment? So consider that, consider what you can do, the small changes you can make, but also even if you know somebody's having trouble sleeping, they've done everything and they can't sleep, maybe there's something else going on. So refer them to this interview, please share, hope you liked it. And Valentina, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom today. Hold the line for a sec, but thanks for joining me today. That was super interesting. I love that because I I just, nature teaches us and nature shows us and it makes sense that the buildings that reside in on this earth should be in harmony with the surroundings. So I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Until next time. Ciao.